You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Well, after years of delays, a task force on the Massey Tunnel replacement project is now recommending, wait for it, an eight-lane tunnel. That is despite another proposal for a bridge that could be built faster and cheaper. Ted Trenecki now on why Metro Vancouver believes a new tunnel is the best option and the challenges associated with it. A six-kilometer-long pile of sand along Highway 99 and another pile in Ladner both now support a forest of weeds. It's all that remains of that Liberal plan to spend $3.4 billion building a 10-lane bridge. This is our fourth meeting with the task force. Today, the Transportation Minister gave the Mayor's Council Task Force three viable options. One, you could deep-bore twin tunnels, but it would be very expensive. Second, another bridge proposal, but with only eight lanes instead of ten. This could be built cheaper and at least a year sooner than a tunnel. But instead, the Mayor's opted for two immersed tube tunnels, similar to the existing Massey Tunnel, with four lanes each way. We've been going on this for ten years. I mean, I don't, we've got to get going on it. If the province agrees to build this, it'll actually only be three lanes each way because that fourth lane will be for public transit only. The dedicated lane for, for transit has to be able to convert to late rail in the future. All the options presented today included keeping the existing Massey Tunnel but spending unspecified hundreds of millions of dollars in seismic upgrades. It could be used for utility vehicles. The Liberals say the environmental reviews alone could push a finished project back a decade. We've done the consultation process. We spent $80 million, and all we got at the end of it was a pile of sand on the side of the highway in Richmond and Ladner that extends six kilometers. We have pissed away $80 million. We'll take the, their final decision, uh, and we'll look at that with, uh, obviously, a bit more consultation and be able to move pretty quickly to a business case by uh, next year. The mayors chose the twin tunnel option, saying a bridge would increase noise pollution, cast shadows over nearby neighborhoods, and a new tunnel wouldn't be that much more expensive than a bridge, although none of the options today were given a price tag. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Okay, Keith Baldry joins us now from Victoria. Keith, this isn't the only big, shiny project that'll be competing for tax dollars, is it? Yeah, competing is a good word for it, Chris. There is, are billions of dollars scheduled to uh, build all sorts of things under the NDP government. They're on a very ambitious capital spending plan, which does raise questions about the timing of this and uh, tells me, again, that this particular project is still a long ways in the distance. The government can only build so much so quickly. We're talking about highways, bridges, hospitals, you name it. Here's a list of some of the projects. I call it the billion-dollar uh, capital project club in British Columbia because we are talking about quite a few of of, uh, of infrastructure projects on the boards already, including uh, the St. Paul's Hospital. But of course, the first and big one is the uh, Site C Dam comes in at north of $10 billion. And then all these are under the NDP watch. Broadway Subway, $2.8 billion. Patello Bridge, $1.4 billion. St. Paul's, almost $2 billion. Royal Columbians, another expensive project. Burnaby General Hospital, just announced uh, less than a month ago. A Massey Tunnel Replacement, I'm putting about a $3 billion price tag on that. You add it all up, it's a huge amount of money. And here's why potentially is problematic. The government keeps adding these capital projects to the debt, so the debt keeps going up and up and up. That's okay to the bond rating agencies as long as your economic growth matches that growth. The finance ministry is projecting the economic growth is actually going to go down over the next few years while the debt goes up. That could trigger a downgrade in the bond rating, and that could have serious implications for uh, Carol Jane's balancing her budget. So don't look for this project to be completed anytime soon. A lot of work to be done first. Okay, mm -hmm. thanks very much, Keith.
Yeah, while Metro Vancouverites eagerly await ride hailing, there are new concerns tonight, even before it gets rolling. This afternoon, the city of Vancouver voted in favor of proposed licensing and street use regulations. Nadia Stewart explains why the regulations are so controversial. Councillors voted in favor of a $100 per vehicle licensing fee, a fee ride hailing advocates say is prohibitive. The city of Vancouver says the province now holds the balance of power when it comes to ride hailing regulations. Staff say their jurisdiction is limited to street use management and vehicle and company licensing. But they felt strongly about having a framework in place before provincial regulations take effect and ride hailing hits the road. On several occasions, the city manager cautioned councillors against deferring this vote. In the end, they voted to approve a $100 licensing fee and curbside management permit, along with a small pickup and drop-off fee in the Metro core. Despite all the debate and amendments, staff say they're pleased with council's final decision. Just given the time available uh, between uh, having understanding the legislation and the, the services being implemented, uh, we had to act quickly to get something in place uh, to kind of maximize the chances of success. Zero emission vehicles get a break on the licensing fee, but there are no limits on fleet size, leading to questions about congestion. The city also says it's leveled the playing field by introducing a single fee for all ride-hailing vehicles and taxis and limousines. But there are concerns these new policies miss the mark. It's why Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young voted against the motion. What I did not support is a Vancouver-only model that moves ahead without looking at an inter-municipal approach. What that smacks of to me is the taxi approach where we are creating false challenges to having vehicles go across municipal boundaries. In six months, staff will revisit the fee. We're also hearing from accessible transportation advocates who are concerned that their voice is not being heard. They're asking the city to push the province to make the service as equitable as possible. Nadia Stork, Global News. Now, in case you have noticed those red zones on the roads in certain areas of Vancouver, that's a pilot program aimed at reminding drivers that bus stops are not for cars. The city says a single stopped car can slow down hundreds of people. The city is starting with five red zones and will evaluate their success in the spring. If they prove to be helpful, you'll see more of them being rolled out. Two Metro Vancouver area police officers who were detained in Cuba for months over sexual assault allegations will face a police disciplinary hearing. Vancouver Police Constable Mark Sims and Port Moody Police Constable Jordan Long were detained in Cuba back in March 2018 after an alleged sex assault involving a 17-year-old girl from Ontario. Eight months later, they were acquitted by a Cuban court. They were allowed to leave the country and return home back in January. Now, following a lengthy Police Act investigation, the two officers will face a disciplinary hearing over their behavior. That hearing will not be open to the public. WorkSafe BC has released its report into the death of a motorcycle stunt woman on the set of Deadpool 2 back in 2017. Our Sarah McDonald joins us live near Jackpool Plaza, where the incident happened. And Sarah, that report found five violations. 
Sophie, that's right. All of them found to be the fault of the production company in this case. WorkSafe BC finding multiple violations of workplace safety laws and regulations during its investigation into this tragedy, which occurred more than two years ago at this point in August of 2017 during the filming of that blockbuster movie Deadpool 2. Joy Harris, a professional motorcycle racer, was killed while working her very first job as a stunt person when her bike hit a curb after she rode down a stairwell and launched her through a glass window. That WorkSafe BC investigation has now pinpointed five contributing factors to that fatal crash, including a failure to conduct a risk assessment and safety controls, not providing Harris with new worker orientation, a failure to set up safety barriers and provide adequate supervision for that stunt, a lack of safety headgear or a helmet in this case, and a failure to ensure the health and safety of workers in general. Now, Harris's family settled out of court with that production company, which is 20th Century Fox back in April, but this new report could open up that production company uh, to more administrative penalties going forward. Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Sarah McDonald at Jackpool Plaza. Dozens of allegations of abuse and neglect at a senior's care home have prompted the Island Health Authority to intervene. An administrator has now been appointed to oversee day-to-day -day operations. Kylie Stanton has more on what's alleged to have taken place and what's in the future for this facility. Here at the Comox Valley Seniors Village, George Legas has finished up yet another meeting. To me, the care is lacking and the people who can change things don't. His father, a war veteran, has been going downhill since taking up residence here. One of many whose family members have voiced concern, alleging abuse, neglect, disease outbreaks and staffing shortages. There's so many holes in here that need to be filled. It's, it's almost like a broken system, if you ask me. Now, in a rare step, the Vancouver Island Health Authority is assuming control of the facility, appointing an administrator for a minimum of six months. It is highly unusual for an, uh, an administrator to be appointed in this way. That's only happened twice in the last 12 years um, uh, in Island Health. According to a report by a North Island medical health officer, 45 investigations and inspections over a six-month period found 22 routine and follow-up inspections identified contraventions, and those contraventions continue. Of the 18 complaint investigations, eight were found to be in contravention of the province's Community Care and Assisted Living Act. The remaining 10 are still active. The operator was not going to be able to come into compliance um, without... Uh, Island Health assuming responsibility. The operator, Retirement Concepts, said it will work collaboratively with the appointed administrator. The company, which was purchased by Beijing-based Anbang Insurance Group in 2017, is managed by Pacific Reach Seniors Housing. Currently, three of its seven locations on the island are under investigation. Comox, here at the Selkirk Seniors Village in Victoria, as well as the Nanaimo Seniors Village. In a statement, the Minister of Health said, I strongly support this decision. It will ensure the facility will be brought back in compliance with the standards of care we expect. But if things don't turn around, the health authority does have the power to revoke its license. Legas is hoping for his father's sake. It doesn't get to that point. He's a sweet old man, and I love him dearly. And uh, I would love to see him get a lot more care and attention than he's gotten. Kylie Stanton, Global News. A reminder, it is Variety Week here on Global, and tonight during the news hour, when you make a donation, Bilo Foods will be matching it. Always good when you can double the money. During all of our Global Newscasts, we're featuring children whose lives have been improved 
thanks to the equipment and services that Variety helps to fund. And you have the opportunity to help us. We need our global viewers to donate so Variety can help as many kids as possible. So call now and your dollars, as Sophie mentioned, will be doubled by Buy Low Foods. The number is 310KIDS or just go to variety.bc.ca to donate. First, though, disturbing allegations tonight involving several UBC students who may have been drugged at a frat party last weekend. So far, the allegations are unproven. But Grace Key has more on how they first came to light and what the university is doing to address concerns. Serious allegations are being investigated into seven possible druggings involving UBC students, six of them happening at fraternity parties. The allegations first came to light after a student told her UBC instructor that she had been drugged at a bar downtown on Friday while out on a student-organized event. As far as I know, she was not assaulted. She was lucky because she was with friends who were with her the whole time. They took her to the hospital as soon as it became aware, they became aware that she uh, had been drugged. The next morning, the student came across six other UBC students who said they were drugged at the fraternities this past weekend. The university has been made aware of the allegations through social media and contacted RCMP. An investigation is now underway, but so far there have been no complaints to police or campus security. If you are a victim or if you have information, please report it because this is a crime. And we can only stamp this out if people step forward and say this is what happened, whether it happened to me or I have knowledge of it happening to someone else. The UBC Interfraternity Council has suspended all social functions indefinitely. It's during this time of year when universities traditionally see an increase in the number of incidents. During that first six to eight weeks of the semester, it is a red zone, as we would call it in the States, for issues of sexual misconduct and sexual violence. So we do think about the, that as we think about our orientation and education programs. Police are attempting to identify the alleged victims. If you have any information, you're asked to call UBC RCMP. Grace Key, Global News. Well, some remarkable video is being shared by the VPD showing all too clearly the dangers of distracted driving. Keep your eye on the blue Mazda that comes racing past on the right-hand side of your screen. This happened at the McGill Street on-ramp to Highway 1. It shows an unmarked police car pulled off to the side of the road with the emergency lights on. The officer in the process of writing a ticket when the Mazda driver who clearly wasn't paying attention, crashes right into the back of the cruiser, which then hits the officer. That driver, a 47-year-old Vancouver man with his L, was issued three violation tickets totaling $586 in fines. The officer has not yet been able to return to duty. And some good news for a BC senior slapped with a huge fine for distracted driving. Randy Kramer says she had both hands on the wheel when she was stopped near the Hotel Georgia in Vancouver. An officer pulled her over and pointed at her phone charging in the cup holder, telling her it shouldn't be visible. Kramer got a $368 ticket for that, but Vancouver police now confirmed to Global News they have cancelled that ticket. All right, yet another young driver is speaking out tonight about skyrocketing car insurance premiums under ICBC's new rate structure. A 19-year-old Cranbrook teen says her annual insurance will cost three times what her car is worth. Catherine Urquhart reports. 19-year-old Jade Sharp needs her car for college and work. But the Cranbrook teen fears she can't afford it anymore. 
Insurance on her car has skyrocketed, the monthly bill up almost 40 percent. I used to pay 180 and now I pay about 250. It's completely outrageous. Jade says she's been driving almost four years and is accident free. CBC is incredibly selfish. I don't think they realize how much they're affecting families and if they do realize, I don't think they care. In recent weeks, an increasing number of young drivers like Jade have been speaking out about their rates spiking under ICBC's new insurance model. They're starting out their life, they're going to school, part-time jobs, and now in this case they get hit with a $3,000 insurance bill for a car that's worth $1,000. This is ridiculous. ICBC continues to defend its rates, noting younger drivers are three and a half times more likely to cause a crash. One suggestion they're making? For some people who do have low-value vehicles, uh, one thing that um, many do consider is, is dropping collision coverage. Back in Cranbrook, Jade says she'll struggle to pay the higher insurance costs, but she's unsure how much longer she can find the extra money. Just because there is a few young drivers or even older drivers who aren't the greatest, greatest at driving or being safe at driving doesn't mean that I deserve to be punished for that just because I'm a young driver. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. We've got some breaking news now that's going to impact traffic in the future. It comes from Vancouver City Hall. Council has approved a controversial plan that will overhaul a major route into downtown Vancouver. Councillors voting to support an amended city staff plan to keep the prior Venables route while adding an underpass once the viaducts come down. That road currently connects to the viaducts. Strathcona residents had rallied loudly against the plan with people in the area saying the city is walking back past promises to calm that street. More coverage tonight on the News at 11. In the meantime, on the campaign trail today, a troubling glimpse of racism in Montreal, where NDP leader Jagmeet Singh was given some advice by a man at a popular market. You should cut your turban off and you put a, you look like a Canadian. Oh, I think Canadians look like all sorts of people. That's the beauty yeah, of Canada. After the exchange, the man then tells Singh, I hope you win. Singh is a vocal critic of a Quebec law that bars the province's civil servants from wearing visible religious symbols, but has agreed not to pursue a court challenge. So has Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau has not ruled out federal intervention. The NDP currently holds 14 seats in Quebec. In Washington, D.C., Donald Trump is lashing out with insults and profanity as Democrats continue to press ahead with their impeachment inquiry. Calling his opponents lowlifes and accusing them of staging a coup, the president shows once again that he's ready for a political street fight. With the impeachment inquiry against him gaining momentum, President Trump is lashing out. The whole thing is a scam. Again, raising questions about whether he would honor the whistleblower's legal protections. I have a lot of respect for whistleblowers, but only when they're real. The president tweeted an expletive to describe the investigation and hurled insults at Democratic lawmakers leading it, including House Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff. He should be forced to resign from Congress. Adam Schiff, he's a lowlife. This after Chairman Schiff and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi laid out an aggressive schedule to get to the facts. This is about the facts relating to the Constitution 
and that is how we will proceed. House Democrats announced today they will subpoena the White House for documents related to the president's July phone call with the leader of Ukraine, in which the president sought damaging information about political rival Joe Biden. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo acknowledging today he was on that call after hedging since this story broke. As for was I on the phone call, I was on the phone call. In a surprise move today, the State Department Inspector General asked to meet with House Committee staffers to go over Ukraine-related documents, all while Secretary Pompeo is insisting State Department lawyers have to be present in any of his staff's depositions to protect sensitive information. Democrats are accusing Pompeo of trying to influence testimony. We're not fooling around here. Democratic leaders warning any administration interference will be considered obstruction and evidence that the underlying accusations are true. Alice Barr, NBC News, Washington. Thank you all very much. Vermont Senator and presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders is reported to be recovering well from emergency surgery. The Democratic presidential hopeful experienced chest discomfort last night and doctors found a blockage in one artery. They successfully inserted two stents. A statement says Sanders is talking and in good spirits, although his campaign events and appearances have been canceled until further notice. A heart-wrenching scene in a Dallas courtroom today during the sentencing of a police officer who shot an innocent man in his apartment because she thought he was in her apartment. At 10 years imprisonment in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Amber Geiger was given 10 years in prison for killing 27-year-old Botham John, a sentence that drew outrage among activists who thought it was too lenient. But inside the courtroom, the victim's 18-year-old brother decided instead to, to forgive God. her, leading to this remarkable moment. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Geiger sobbed in the arms of Jean's young brother, younger brother, the local district attorney, saying in 37 years of practicing law, he's never seen anything quite like that. A surprising announcement from Microsoft today introducing its next big thing. The company has unveiled the Surface Duo, its entry in the folding phone market. The Android device has two side-by-side, five-and-a-half-inch screens that open into one large 8.3-inch screen, joined by a 360-degree hinge. The phone can run two different apps at the same time and can also be used as a kind of mini-laptop. You'll have to wait for it, though. The Duo officially launches in late 2020, just before next Christmas. <laughs> but at least we know it's coming. A couple of developments tonight in a brazen crime that shocked people right across B.C. A suspect has been arrested after allegedly stealing a cell phone from a young man with cerebral palsy on a bus. 19-year-old Nathan Saluna was in his wheelchair when the phone was snatched right out of his hands. A 32-year-old woman of no fixed address has been arrested after someone recognized her and called police. The transit officers who responded paid off the rest of Nathan's contract so that he could get a new phone. And after CKNW's Linda Steele put out the call for help, a number of people offered to buy it for him. In the end, TELUS donated a new phone. And transit police delivered it to Nathan's door today. Um, I saw the news, yeah, and like a um, global interview with my mom. Yeah, we and saw the video. 
Well, even better, Nathan is actually getting an upgrade. This phone is an iPhone 11 Pro. Nathan's got better phones than we do yeah, now. It doesn't fold, but it's pretty cool. Good stuff, Nathan. Well, sometimes it's the simple things in life that can prove most challenging to a child with special needs, like opening a door, holding a spoon, or hugging a parent. Variety is committed to helping. Autumn has needed extra help since the day she was born, and with generous donations from you, Variety can continue to help her to grow and to flourish. I said we're going to go this square all around the outside. Autumn was six days old when she had her first heart surgery. We knew directly after the, the first surgery that uh, Autumn suffered a stroke. They had a real tough go with her for both heart surgeries. They had severe complications. And when we brought Autumn home, as she grew, she was always behind in her gross motor skills developing as a child. It took until Autumn was five to be diagnosed with cerebral palsy. It's sometimes in the cerebral palsy brain, it almost feels to the body as if there's just one leg. And in, in this case, you kind of separate the two legs. So it just helps to improve the way you walk. Once she was diagnosed in school and said she needs to have physiotherapy and occupational therapy, well, then, you know, we're like, we can't. There's no way that we can afford this. And Variety has always been there for Autumn to provide her with the things that we cannot. Where we work with Autumn's reflexes and then the daily things, right? We work at, we go to the school, see are there any things like you struggle with printing, cutting, fine motor things. And here at home, we've um, helped out with the kitchen assessment. You can tell them about the kitchen assessment. I did the omelette cooking and um, Tisha just came and watched how my left hand in, uh, like worked with my right hand by cooking. Autumn would never eat anything with her left hand because she can't turn her left hand in to bring things up to her mouth. But now she can actually lift, turn and bring it into seat to her face without using the support of her right hand. And that's because of the physiotherapy and that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for variety. No child ever deserves to be sick or go through things that they shouldn't go through as a child. And if it wasn't for variety, I honestly don't know how we would do it or how other families would do it. Well, we want to raise enough money every day this week to help 60 children with things like occupational therapy to help them be more independent. If you would like to help, you can do it right now. Just call 310KIDS or go to variety.bc.ca to make a donation. And remember, all donations will be doubled this hour. Thank you to Bilo Foods for that. You bet. Think of autumn. Spectacular video from Western Europe as a camera attached to an eagle captures some stunning images of the Alps. But this isn't just about pretty pictures. The eagle cam shows once magnificent glaciers now crumbling because of climate change. The two groups that organized this say they hope the images will help jolt the world out of climate change apathy. The eagle's handler also hopes the video will also convince people of the importance of protecting birds and their environment.
Uh, Eagle's a pretty good camera person. Sure is. A courageous young super fan gets the surprise of her life. Eleven-year-old Layla Anderson is overjoyed with a visit from a couple of players from the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. But it's what happened next that had her in tears. That's right after Christie's forecast. Adding to the collection a little bit, if you saw what she's got in her living room there, it's all kinds of jerseys mm. and hockey sticks and everything. All right, uh, we'll get to that in a moment, but let's check in with Christy Gordon right now. Uh, now that we're into October, what's the forecast looking like, Christy? <laughs> a little wet, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Chris, and it was great today. Look at the scene out there right now. You can't even tell the difference. Well, a little bit, but not much of the difference between the sky and the water there. Uh, so we've got a little low-pressure center that's going to move on shore over the next 24 hours. We were expecting it to track a little bit further further south, but now it looks like it's going to cross northern parts of Vancouver Island. What that means for us is that we won't see the strong winds that we were anticipating. We will a little bit in the morning, but not too bad. The stronger winds will be further north into the central coast and northern parts of Vancouver Island. Now, we will see waves of rain along with this. Not consistent rain, although it will seem consistent at times, but it will come in waves as this uh, bands of rain uh, sort of um, uh, spiral around this low-pressure center. Tomorrow morning, it looks like there could be a bit of a bullseye, so heavier in the morning, but the timing of that is tough with this type of scenario. So overall, I think what you can expect is cloud and periods of rain on and off. Windy conditions expected near the water, mainly in the morning, and you'll see that with the winds here. So we're talking about the 40, maybe 50 kilometer an hour range, but the stronger ones certainly further north. So here's your school day forecast. Don't let the kids head out without a rain jacket or umbrella. We'll certainly need it at times tomorrow, and we'll only warm up to about 14 degrees. You'll also see that rain across the north coast regions shifting inland a little bit later in the day. The southern regions will see it later in the day as well. Bit of a rain shadow for those of you in the Okanagan Valley though luckily whereas the bulk of the rain will fall along the south coast. Again coming in waves at times throughout the day. Your Friday is also going to be a little bit wet in that we have a chance of showers especially earlier in the day but so far it looks like things clear out just in time for the weekend with a bit of sunshine expected on Saturday and some on Sunday too. I'll leave you with this great shot from Dawson Creek thanks to Candace Holling said um, now this is you can see the fall leaves in the foreground which I love but it's also this alto cumulus cloud pattern alto meaning high level high in the sky and the cumulus those puffy clouds so great uh, shot thanks Candace alto cumulus cloud formation some of my favorite <laughs> I knew it Sophie sure. thank you well, you won't find a bigger fan of the St. Louis Blues than 11-year-old Layla Anderson. Mm, she was ecstatic when the Blues' Alex Steen and Colton Pareko showed up at her front door. Layla had been an inspiration to the team on its drive to the Stanley Cup, having fought a rare autoimmune disease that nearly took her life. Today, the team honored her with a one-of-a-kind gift. Oh, my God. A little heart. How sweet. Her own official Stanley Cup ring with her name engraved on it, no less. 10.6 carats of precious weight and almost as big as her wrist. Mm -hmm. One of the players joking that he feels sorry for whoever proposes to her someday. (laughs) That is a good point. No comparison. A lot of bling. Okay. Big night. It is, although it's not. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they'll be here traffic. next week. Yes. And then they'll hand out the C. Uh, the uh, Canucks start their 50th anniversary season in Edmonton. It's a year where 
Nobody around this team is afraid of using the P word, playoffs. It'll take better health. It'll take good goaltending. The young players on the Canucks are going to have to keep maturing. And the chemistry will have to mix properly. Because as Travis Green points out, this is still a Canucks group that is getting to know each other. We might have 14 new players from the start of last season to today. And that's, that's a lot in the NHL. I don't know if there's another team in the, in the league that could say that. So we've got to find a way to bring the team together on the ice and show a lot of video and maybe a little more than they're used to and also to have them come together on the ice or off the ice as well and find some bonding moments that they get to be comfortable with each other as well. Now, of course, the star of the show going into this year is Elias Pettersson, the NHL's top rookie last season, who, of course, was great right from the start. For most of the year, he hit a wall in the last 20 games. That wasn't a surprise because he wasn't used to playing that many games and traveling that much. But he should be more conditioned for it this season, and all of his teammates are expecting big things. You know, it's looking great. He he gained some some weight. Uh, I've, I know you know a lot of people were saying he was you know a little small, but you know he's young coming coming out of Sweden first first time, and uh, you know 82 season it was it was new for him. So uh, you know he, he's excited to get back and, and competing, and you know he's you know kind of like me hate losing you know more than he loves winning. So he's you know a little, uh, can be really grumpy that way, which is a good thing. I don't need to stand up here and put any more expectations or, or load on his shoulders than he already has. He's, he looks great to me. He's a great young player that we're extremely proud to have, and I have full confidence that he's going to become a special player in the league, and we don't need to rush him into anything more than, than what he's doing now because he, he's got the right attitude and he wants to be a good player. Ontario boy, tears in his eyes. Former Islander, now the Maple Leafs captain, John Tavares. First goal of the game, first goal of the season, Brady Kachuk. 24 seconds in, gives Ottawa the 1-0 lead. But the Leafs on a mistake by Kachuk will capitalize. It's 2-2, now it's 3-2. Austin Matthews. Of course, started his career with a four-goal night against Ottawa. Then Mitch Marner, big money Mitch, across to Austin Matthews, who makes pretty good scratch, too. 5-2 in the third, Toronto over Ottawa. Well, the Seahawks are home tomorrow for some Thursday night football against the L.A. Rams, a chance to break out the action green uniforms again. Every NFL player, probably every NFL coaching staff, hates playing on Thursday nights because they have less time to recover from Sunday's game and less time to prepare for Thursday's game. But the Seahawks are 8-1 and one on Thursdays under Pete Carroll. So obviously Pete has taught the Hawks how to adjust. Uh, I think it's um, very hard for uh, players to, to get their bodies ready um, to play a Thursday night game. But, you know, we're professionals. We forgot a way. Uh, what we like it's a change, of course. Will it? Probably not. So we have to just deal with it. Canada and the All Blacks. And when it was all over, Canada was black and blue. Jordy Barrett. Well, that's nice. Cross field kick. Try in the eighth. Now it's 21 nothing. Bowden Barrett. Yes, that's Jordy's brother. 
so. Two Barretts have scored. Now the other brother, three Barrett boys, score for New Zealand, Scott Barrett. It was too easy, and once again, Canada, I know they weren't expected to beat New Zealand, just couldn't tackle. They missed way too many tackles. Again, guys just going straight through that team in red. That's Brad Weber. It was easy, real easy. 63-0 easy. Bianca Andreescu in China at the China Open, taking on Elise Mertens. This is the second round, trying to get into the round of 16. She won the first set. She was down 4-1 in the second set. But as we've often seen with Bianca Andreescu, there is no give up. And she rallied and won the second set in a tiebreaker. That's her 16th straight win. Off to the round of 16. And AL wildcard. Oakland might be losing its football team, but its baseball team is staying. But that ball is not staying. Avisail Garcia with the home run. 3-0 in the second, 4-1 in the fourth. Although last night, Washington rallied at home to beat Milwaukee when it looked like they might lose. There you go. The traveling artist of Mexico. We're about to learn about him through Squire here Well, tonight. so here's the story. Mm -hmm. So I was driving to the Burnaby Palace restaurant. It's great Burnaby restaurant. Palace restaurant. Yeah, okay. one of my favorite Chinese restaurants. I went, Delicious. I was gonna go get some food, and I, I did get some food, but while I was driving there, I saw this guy in the middle of the road juggling. I thought, well, I've gotta find out what this guy's story is, so. In the yes. middle of the road? Yes, well, in the media. Well, in the media. This okay. is his, it wasn't like he was on the freeway. This is his story. This is what Octavio Shanyata did on his Vancouver vacation. When he had time, he would go to the corner of Boundary Road and 22nd and entertain drivers waiting at the red light. How long have you been in Canada? Uh, I came for my birthday uh, one month ago. I, I took the trip to know the city and attend to several uh, events in the city, meeting people, meeting other artists. Octavio is an artist from Mexico and juggling, that's only one of his talents. Back home, he is known as one of the best body painters in the country. I won some um, competitions of body painting in Mexico, then I got uh, invitations to different festivals and that's like my most uh, high art. Wherever Octavio goes, he unpacks his artistic talents. In Mexico, instead of using money, he often pays for a stay at a hostel by painting a mural on the side of the building. Well, usually when I'm traveling, try to uh, put some of my art in every place, like take the opportunity to to do something, like, uh, like to plant uh, a bit of a seed. Yeah, a seed. <laughs> so you leave a little of Octavio in every place you've been? Uh, I, I try to do <laughs> And while Octavio's stay was not long enough to leave behind a mural, he did give Vancouver a piece of his art, and in return, we gave him a piece of us. It's a good place. I, I love uh, Vancouver. It's, um, it's, it's a nice place, and uh, it's good that because it's so cultural, uh, multicultural, about many different peoples of different countries and all we can be in harmony and then uh, it's, uh, I, I feel real good in this experience. 
Come back. Come back. Yeah, he's yeah, going he went, back now. He went right? home on Monday. He stayed for a month and he went back home. He says he will come back, I think he said next year for, uh, for some art festival, perhaps a body painting body festival. Body painting. Hmm. Amazing. There you go. Uh, okay, before we go, let's see how many kids your donations have helped so far on Variety Week. Since yes. Monday, oh, that's awesome. Our generous viewers have helped 80 kids with almost $200,000 in donations, but please don't stop there. You know how to make the donation. Here are the numbers. 310KIDS is the number to call or go to variety.bc.ca to donate online. You can also text the word KIDS to 45678. $20 donation. Thanks so much to Bilo for helping us out tonight too. Hmm. All right, that's it. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for watching. Good night, all.